Welcome in to this special edition of Big Drive Energy Limited Series, talking about Netflix's new documentary, Full Swing, following around PGA Tour players. Just watched the first episode. We're going to recap each episode with just little tidbits here and there of stuff that we see. And this is all brought to you by our presenting sponsor over at Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces makes the best golf clothes out there. They are slowly taking over all markets. I just saw a TikTok where they were giving out free shirts uh, at the Waste Management Open on 16. They were just going up to people and like, especially with people with, like bad birdie shirts. It was great. They were just like, hey, you need a new shirt. Here you go. Um, they were converting customers that way. Oh, but like you it. guys can but you guys can head over to pinsandaces.com, use promo code BDE. That'll save you 15% off their entire website. We're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, you guys can bet $5 and get $200 back in free bets uh, on the NBA, which is uh, my favorite thing to bet on. I'm still a soul crushed from last night. Uh, I was watching the Nuggets game. Mitch and I were there at Ball Arena. Christian Brown needed Brown, damn it, needed one. Maybe I says I deserve this. He needed one basket for me to win a little over two thousand dollars, and he didn't get it. So kind of an unfortunate scenario for me, but don't make it unfortunate for you. Use the same game parlays on the DraftKings sportsbook, especially with the NBA. And and this whole week, you're basically getting a free bet back if your same game parlay doesn't hit. So uh, I'm getting a free bet. I'm throwing it right back in there on the DraftKings sportsbook. So make sure you check that out. Download the DraftKings sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR and you get $200 in free bets after placing a $5 wager. All right, let's tee it up. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... Somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. Full swing. Uh, first episode recap. Your thoughts. Go. Well, hello, Spencer. Um, long time no see. We were just hanging out last night. Um, so I. I watched the first episode yesterday because it just all got released yesterday. And for the record, we're going to release one of these every week for like the next eight weeks. It's just going to be a a short 20, 30 minute kind of recap of each episode. Give some fun, like things that we saw, some funny shit. Um, My so episode one, and we're assuming that you've watched this. If you haven't watched this, don't listen because we're going to talk about everything that happened, kind of spoil it. So if you're if you haven't watched it yet, wait, wait to listen to this till you do watch it and then listen to this because we're just kind of recapping Mad spoilers. Yeah. Debriefing each episode, giving our opinion on it. So um, this episode was basically Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas's friendship slash they call it, it's it's called frenemies. Um, I definitely don't think they're frenemies. They're just very competitive uh, and. My biggest takeaway right off the jump, my, you know, there's a lot of other small stuff, but 
My biggest thing I would say is that Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth kind of have a difference of mentalities. And I'd say that JT is way more of like a killer and he's got way more of a chip on his shoulder. I think because of how their career started with Jordan having all the really early success and, and JT kind of emerging slowly uh, throughout his twenties and now, so I, I actually looked it up, Spence. Can you guess each of their career earnings? Oh, I'm going to guess Justin Thomas. This is just on the golf course, obviously, correct? Correct. Yeah, PGA I, Tour. I'm going to guess Justin Thomas is at $28 million. Okay, and then give and me your other one. Jordan Spieth is $36 million. Okay, so you were wrong, both of them. But it's Imagine actually... <laughs> Shocker. Uh, it's actually way closer. It's Jordan Spieth, 53 million, Justin Thomas, 52 million. So when oh, they, damn. So. when they, yeah, when they talk about how competitive they are, it, I didn't think it was that close either. I honestly thought Jordan had Justin by a fairly wide gap, but did you, did you kind of see that with Justin? Like he's definitely feels like he still has something to prove where Jordan really doesn't, you don't get that vibe from him. Well, the thing I was most shocked about, and granted, you know, the years fly by, we watch a lot of golf, um, we're all immersed in the golf world. And the one thing that stood out to me is I just, I didn't realize because we're, we always live in the moment, you always think in the moment when it comes to your favorite sports team or whatever. I did not realize like Jordan Spieth in 2015 won two majors. Like, I mean, I realized it, but I it, like doesn't yeah, it was hit seven me, years like, ago. Yeah, when you throw Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas just at me right now, I'm like, oh my God, there's one guy that's clearly the much better player that has a better career and is going to be the, you know, more thought about player when they both finish playing. And then there's one, and then Jordan Spieth can't figure out the fuck he's doing. And then they show, you know, from 2015, he won the Masters and he won the US Open. And then two years later, goes and wins the Open Championship. You're like, holy shit. Like, this guy was fucking the guy for a yeah, while. Yeah, he, he was on a tear, dude. And, like you said, it's crazy to think about partially because they were both born in, I think, 93. So they're your age. And hey. Jordan Spieth, it was seven years ago, he won two majors. So you're like, how can these guys be our age? And Jordan Spieth's career, I wouldn't call it an afterthought. He's still got plenty of opportunity ahead of him. But with the, the direction his game has gone, uh, it definitely, his stock went straight through the roof at the beginning of his career, then is kind of tapered off. Um, and Justin Thomas has been the opposite. You know, if I could have bought some JT stock when he was still at Bama, uh, I, I definitely have probably about five times my money right now. Cause, uh, the dude is, his career is just skyrocketed. And I, I really thought Justin Thomas, like one of my other big takeaways was his dad is super fucking cool. Like just super nice. Like, I don't want to get too deep, but just a great parent. He seemed like a really good um, role model for Justin. It's And it also seemed like he really had his dad kind of had a rough childhood. So he not necessarily a rough childhood, but his dad was very hard on him. So I thought it was really cool that Mike, his dad, kind of learned from how he was parented and was like this. I never want to do what I did to Mike or what my dad did to me to my own kids. So he, he treats Justin like he's just very positive. He's like, it's a game. And I think 
as you could tell throughout the episode, JT is definitely like his own worst critic. Um, so his dad being there as like a positive reinforcement and, and not being so such a hard ass, I think was super cool. Like I, I genuinely envy what they like, how cool is it that his dad's just like sitting on the back of the private jet to go to the practice round with him and Jordan at uh, Southern Hills out in Tulsa. Like just the time they get to spend together is probably at the end of the day, some of the coolest things that one of the coolest things in their lives, you know, money aside, success aside, just the fact that they get to spend all that time together, I think is like super badass. Yeah. And Jordan's or uh, Justin's dad, excuse me, being his swing coach, that's always a very, touchy line you know like obviously the most the best golfer in the history of the world and the most uh, talked about golfer in the history of the pga tour and golf in general tiger woods had his dad as his coach and so that's kind of like that down like story of hey your dad's your coach he killed it and and maybe people try to recreate that i don't know you know dads dads there and their kids that do this are always going to be on the the secondary tier compared to tiger. Um, but just a cool overall experience for Justin to have his dad with him all the time. Also helping him, um, with his golf swing and, and being, uh, you know, I am not going to lie watching the end of that first episode. I don't know what the fuck happened. There was some sort of a, a dust storm fo- flowing through my, my office. Cause I just like, I kind of got started tearing up a little bit. They had the music and, and like the quote of Justin's dad, saying, you know, this is why you never give up. I was like, fuck me. This hurts. Like, this is like fucking, it was, it was good. It was well-produced and it kind of related me back to watching that PGA championship with the ticket on Justin Thomas. If you remember, I, that was my bet. The in comeback, like I, just I totally same with forgot the, same about with the Jordan crazy. speed thing. Yeah. It, it's they're sitting there at two, he's two under and, and Nito's Nito at was at 10. Was he at 10? And I'm like, uh, this is at some point Saturday, I believe. Oh, okay. but I'm like, I'm like, did that really happen? That I was I insane. Know. I know, dude. That 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 was one of my big things too. I'm like, holy shit! Like, how did he come back and win this? And uh, so I took some some little notes, obviously, of watching it, and that was one of my my smaller takeaways. But just his Sunday, because and especially it wasn't even really the entire round. It was kind of the middle towards the end of the round where JT started rolling in some putts and just got crazy hot. And then obviously Mito came back to the field. That was one of my other takeaways. I know that uh, Mito obviously was not a centerpiece of this episode with it being JT and, and Jordan, but when Mito, I forgot just how, how fucking bad that tee shot was. He hit on 18 um, and you could just see in the follow through, like he knew mid swing that something wasn't going right. And he literally, I don't, I think he released that club, like on his left hip, like he was just fucking pulling like left, just that last split second, anywhere, but right swing. And it, the more you do that, the more it goes right. So he, Spencer's laughing. Cause he might be able to relate a little bit when you're, when you're like last second recovery on that. Oh, well. It's extremely relatable to me, but just remembering how I wanted Justin Thomas so badly to win that tournament and watching Mito make that swing again, I haven't seen that swing. And we, you know, we've talked about how, how bad my memory has been for the whole podcast, that swing. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. (laughs) 
Like, yeah. That just seeing that club parallel to the ground, basically on his follow through. Yes. And it's so funny, but I will say I, I actually got a little, I had a little tug at the heartstrings for Mito as well. Cause did you hear what he said on the T box? Yeah. Right he's away. like, I he goes, just, I, I fucked it like, up and fucked on the last hole on the last hole. Yep. Like that part kind of was like, Oh, that fucking hurts for me as a, as a human, because luckily, I mean, Mito's going to be a rat. Well, he's not now because he's, yeah, he's on live, live. but you know, like he, he he's got a, a fairly good golf career ahead of him. So it's not like it was a, a guy that was 45 years old that just is last ditch effort to win a major. Yeah. Um, you know, Mito still get to play in some majors, but yeah, that as much as I loved it in the moment, now I kind of like looking back, I feel a little bad because that is just between him and Zalatoris shaking the putter, dude, Thomas just looks like a fucking, he looks like the fucking Iron Man of those three. Yeah. It was like that dragon meme where it's like all the, like the one, like super, well, it's usually just like the one stupid dragon and like the three other really strong ones. But it was like Mito and Zalatoris trying to finish the PGA and they're like the two like doy doy looking dragons, like, with their tongues hanging out of their mouth and JT's just in the middle, like all strong and shit. Um, but yeah, that like, given the fact that Mito, he's so young, he was virtually a nobody. Like nobody really knew who he was. I really didn't know who he was. I think he's from Chile um, or Argentina. Yeah. He's South American. He's Chile. Yeah. Okay. He's Chilean um, like the sea bass, but he, he's virtually a, a no, not a no name, but definitely not, nationally known prior to that event so for him i'm sure if somebody would have told him the week before like you're gonna go finish second at the pga championship he'd be like holy shit like i'll i'll take it you know fucking give it to me right now but the way it happened was just so painful for him where he had played virtually uh perfect golf, you know, to, to a lot of standards. He was, he was three or four shots clear of the field, um, putting well, driving it very well. He's a great ball striker, but it, everybody, me myself included, and probably you was like, this dude's got to make a mistake. And for it to come down to 18, for him to make the mistake is obviously the worst, worst possible time. Cause you have no holes to get it back. Like you have to, you, if you make a mistake on 13 or 14, you know, you're like, okay, I can still go make birdie. He, he almost wishes he would have made that mistake earlier. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to shit the bed at a major, you want to not do it on 18. Um, but yeah, I definitely felt for Mito a little bit, like you said, he's still going to have a career and I, I think he'll be around for a while. Um, well, and, see. and, he fucked it up so bad that he didn't even make the playoff. Like, and he had a one shot lead. Yeah. It wasn't like he was tied and fucked it up. Like he was, he went from leading to watching the playoff from the clubhouse. Yeah. That that's like, gotta, I I'm sure he was sick for weeks, probably months over that. Cause to not even give your like bogey's a bogey, but to not even give yourself a shot to win it in the playoff and redeem yourself. Like that's fucking painful. Um, so I, I mean, talking about the PGA championship, another thing was crazy is JT was like kind of zeroed in last year, which I really didn't know. Like, it's one of those where you're like, I wish I would have known this and just bet like bet on JT. Um, like with, I did. Well, I mean, but I like did. a I lot, you know what I mean? Like if you're a PGA tour insider or, you know, you were inside the ropes week in, week out and kind of 
heard JT like really grinding, like wanting to get to Southern Hills and, and win that event, you'd like to think you'd have the foresight to, to put a nut on it and, and make some crazy money. Um, but he kind of called a shot. He's like, yeah, the PGA is like one that I'm really kind of hone, like zeroing in on and I really want to win it. And just to talk about just being that good to be like, yeah, I, I want to win this tournament. Like, I think if I try to win it, I will. And he, he just did. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Uh, totally forgot that bones is Justin Thomas's caddy. Like it's just crazy. Oh, we saw him this past week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And it's, but it's just crazy to remember that he bones has had like two fully separate careers now where he had his whole first stint with Phil Mickelson. Um, then he went to TV, did TV for, for a few years. And then it just goes to show you what kind of pull Justin Thomas has where, I'm sure Jim Bones, uh, Jim Mackay's actual name, I'm sure he was fucking set up with that TV deal, you know, being an on-course reporter, walking around just bullshit and giving insight. Like, that sounds like a pretty sweet gig, but JT has the pull to get him out of retirement, get him on his bag, and now he's going to make a shitload of money with Jordan, with Justin Thomas, like he did with Phil Mickelson, so... I'd like to see where uh, Bones' career earnings stack up versus just the other players, not even caddies. Like, I guarantee you he's had a better career money-wise than a lot of the players. Probably, I'd bet he'd be somewhere in the top 30 to 40% of all-time PGA Tour players money-wise just from what he's made as a caddy. It's fucking nuts. Yeah, that is wild. A couple other notes I had relating to JT, uh, them just flying taking a PJ suit, not relatable at all, um, <laughs> down to Southern Hills to just play a practice round. But when they, uh, checked in or they were like driving in and he goes, uh, Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth here to, uh, play some golf. <laughs> like that just felt so like that, like this, the overarching thing of this is humanizing athletes and humanizing professional golfers to realize like, that's the main part of documentaries, right. And all this, and this kind of stuff in general, but I think they did a really good job of that. Cause like, we've done that you know, you roll up to a course or like when we roll up somewhere and our name has to be on a list to get in, you're like, Hey, here to hoping to play some golf. Like yeah. that just is so fucking relatable to me. <laughs> uh, and then also uh, Jordan or Justin, excuse me, when he was working with his dad and he watched his own golf swing and he goes, I fucking hate that. <laughs> like that is so relatable to most of us. Like you feel like your swing. I, I'll never forget. Cause we kind of grew up in the era of really like video wasn't a thing when yeah. we were, you know, 12 year olds now know exactly what their swing looks like on video. We did not. Yeah. And I'll never forget my first lesson because we had to take lessons to kind of learn, but also get better at golf and in the PGM. My first lesson in the PGM program was with a guy named Chad Miller, pretty good teacher, just super laid back guy. But that was the first time I'd ever watched my swing on video and like analyzed it with lines. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? That feels like nothing like I think it feels. And yeah. so it just relatable back to Jordan or Justin, goddamn, Justin know, Thomas. Double J's. Because he just looks at his swing and goes, what the, f like, I fucking hate that. Yeah. <laughs> like he knows he's trying not to do that and he sees himself do it. And he's like, wow, that's really what I look like. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that, that was great. Um, but also it's like very first world problems of him. Like, oh, I fucking hate that. You know, and I guess 
I guess everybody has their standard of golf because how many times have you told somebody what you shot and they're like, Oh, I'd give my left arm to shoot that. And it's like, no, but I mean, I'm much, I I've put a lot more time and effort into this than you have. So I know that, that JT, um, it, he deserves to have that high of a standard, but give me a break, dude. I don't really think there's anything in his wedge swing where he could look at it and be like, that's atrocious. You know what I mean? It, it's just not, uh, not not very common man of him to to hate his wedge swing but you know it it does happen to everybody so like you said dude it growing up i i know a lot of people who like i don't even want to see my swing on video you know it's i'm better off not seeing it so i uh i definitely know what that's like and yeah the first time you watch your swing you're like what the fuck's going on there like it's just nothing like it feels like you said so uh one other thing i noticed did you notice at after JT won the PGA and he kind of had to go like into the clubhouse and talk a little bit like, and they handed him a glass of champagne. And obviously you're supposed to ship, sam- ship sip, champ- ship champagne. <laughs> Jesus. I'll start over sip champagne. You're not supposed to chug it. So he says like a few words in front of everybody. And you can tell he's kind of like coming down from the golf tournament slash a little nervous to like, he's like, do do I need to say something? Like I didn't, obviously you don't prepare speech when you don't know you're going to fucking win. So right after he's like, thank you all for being here and does like a toast. And then he just chugs it. Did you see that? I did. I saw the champagne, but I did not see him just chug it. I wasn't like, like that like dialed. The, yeah. The dude who introduced him, like took a sip of it and then looks back at him and JT's just like full tipped back, like fucking empty in it. Like he probably needed a drink more than anybody in that room. hundred percent. So I, I get it, but I just was like, fucking get after it, JT. Yeah, that's relatable as well. Uh, funny little tip for all you, all, all of us, you know, normal golfers out there that aren't on the PGA Tour. Justin Thomas's dad did speak to uh, hitting golf balls on the range after a bad round, and and that can be not so great if you're in a good and not a good mindset. And how many times did we see that working at the course where it's like somebody comes in off the literally off the third hole and's like, I just need six buckets of balls, you know, yeah. like that's not you're not probably in the right headspace to go beat, you know, 200 plus balls. Now these guys are different story, but overall just kind of a, a little built in tip there for the everyday golfer that like, Hey, you're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days, but it's not necessarily the right play to just go bang a ton of range balls right after you get done playing a not so great round. No, I, I totally agree. Sometimes you just got to let go of that day. Uh, like Justin Thomas's dad said, you know, n- we're not going to perform every day like we know we're capable of. Um, so, yeah, I a lot of times for me personally, I, I want fucking nothing to do with the driving range after a bad round, like straight to the bar. There's no no questions asked. Do not pass. Go uh, just forget about it. Like chalk it up to a shitty day. Don't the worst thing you can do with a bad round is let it fester and, you know, let that carry over to the next round. And then, and then it's a month of bad golf and a summer of bad golf. You know, it's don't let one round fucking derail your entire game. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Just, just let it go. Yeah. And I had a few couple of other notes just in general, uh, not related to Justin and Jordan. Um, there was a lot of girls in swimsuits in the beginning. I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying I hated it, but I just don't know. You think what they're the... like sexualizing it a little? No, no. I just didn't know what the point was. 
Wait. Um, like the very beginning of the episode, it's just like showing a bunch of like chicks in swimsuits, like jumping into pools and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. Like what... it's, I feel like it's Brooks Kepka's wife, possibly, or Paulina. It's either Paulina Gretzky or, or Jenna Sims, I think is his Brooks's wife's name. Um, I am stoked for like the Brooks episode. Uh, there's an Ian Poulter episode, which I like Poults, uh, not not a common take. Uh, they caught him eating a banana. There was just a quick, like, five-second clip of him eating a banana in that first episode. Pretty interesting. They, uh, as well as, well as uh, one thing I found super interesting, Rory, he wasn't a big factor in this episode, but he he kind of, like, as it starts out, like, it, you can hear his voice, and he was, he was saying he was a super cocky and arrogant kid, which shocked me, but also now adds to, like, the legend that he is for me in my mind. I'm like, if he, he's got this little chubby Irish kid, like, curly headed Irish kid. I'll fucking beat you at any, anything you want to do. And then he, you know, he's the best, one of the best players in the world, if not the best. So. Yeah, dude, like a little kid with an Irish accent. So fucking cute. Like it's like, I'm going to beat you, mister. <laughs> like, but I'm yeah, gonna I take totally... all your shillings and fill my rations. Go spend him at the pub. Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree. Rory's definitely, um, much more humble now, even you could tell when he was starting out in his career, he was pretty, I wouldn't call himself arrogant, like, but cocky, like he, he knew he was better than everyone. And I think in order to really play at that level, you have to have some, some feeling of, of cockiness. Cause you, you can't think that people, anybody can beat you. Cause if you think that you're not going to win, then you're not going to, you know, um, you'll never really hear a guy go, well, I didn't think I could win this week, but I did. You know, they're always like, yeah, I thought I, I thought I'd give it a, give it a chance. And I thought I had a good shot and I went out and won. So I definitely, to get up to that PGA tour level, you have to have a level of that, but then golf is uh, beautiful in the way of it. It will never not humble you no matter how good you think you are. You'll have a round of golf where you question your sanity, um, everything that you're doing in life from one bad round of golf. So, uh, golf, golf is always the winner at the end of the day. You're just trying to, to lose less. So. Yeah. And you can never get, there's no perfection either. We talked about this on the drive down to Arizona, like golf is one sport where there's truly, you can't like, you can leave an NBA game and shoot 10 for 10 and have 10 rebounds and 10 assists. Now, obviously there's numbers can always go up, but golf is, you always know that there's more strokes out there and nobody's ever like, and what defines perfection? We talked about that, you know, is it 54 on a birdie on every hole, but technically you yeah. can make an Eagle or a hole in one, you know, there'll never be perfection on a golf course, uh, which truly makes it just an incredibly unique sport. Real quick. I saw a stat um, in relation to like the lowest score ever. Uh, Rain Gibson. Have you ever heard of that name? He's actually a Wilson staff guy. He's, He's bounced between the PJ tour and the web or in the corn ferry. Jesus. I just about had a five-year flashback calling it the web.com. Um, but he shot a few years ago, he shot 55. And I think that is by Guinness world records uh, standard, the lowest golf round ever. So nobody's, and I, I think it was, might may have been a par 71. So he was 16 under, um, but still just fucking bananas. And like you said, still not perfect. I'm sure he still left there being like, Oh, I miss this 10 footer. I'm, you know, I could have, could have hit a better iron shot here or there. So it's, 
yeah, it's a, it's a wild game of golf and it's, it's, there's never perfection. So. Oh yeah. It's nuts. Well, episode one was solid. I'm definitely hooked. Um, I am going to try to not watch them all and just watch them as we do these podcasts, uh, just to kind of keep it fresh in my mind, but great show overall, I'd give it a 10 out of 10. And I think it's only going to get better. They kind of dipped into the live and, uh, I think there was a quote about, I think Poulter said, you definitely picked an interesting year to do a documentary on golf. So I think it's only going to get juice here, especially going to Brooks Kepka. It looks like he's like kind of the main focus of episode two. Uh, so looking forward to that and make sure you're uh, following us, following along with us as our weekly episodes drop every Wednesday before the PGA tour, follow us on Instagram at big drive energy pod. We tweet out our videos, um, picks for the week in the PGA tour events. And now we'll have this episode dropping probably every Thursday afternoon. Uh, just doing a quick recap of full swing. Thanks for tuning in. We will talk to you guys next week. Peace. Peace.